Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 Matthew 6 verse 5 Jesus talking to his disciples When you fast do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to sh- Oh what am I talking about that's verse 16 And when you pray it's the same news Do not uh, be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, we are thinking about your kingdom. We are thinking about what Jesus brought into being. And we confess before you that our tendency is to, is to stay with religion. Our tendency is to make sure we are going to be okay when we die and then live this life and just ask you to bless whatever we decide to do and forgive whatever we screw up on. We confess to you, Lord, that we don't uh, bend easily toward your kingdom because we don't understand the nature of your kingdom. And we pray that you'll open our eyes to see what we haven't seen before, and that is the light of the kingdom in a way that transforms the life we live on this earth. So will your Holy Spirit breathe into our hearts and lives that we would be transformed and changed. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have that first slide, please. It's, it's not that one. It's, it's this one. Oh, okay. Cool. Thank you. Last week we talked, I uh, used a metaphor about eagles. Eagles flying and use the metaphor in a sense of saying if the kingdom of God, if the kingdom of God looks like a soaring eagle, and Jesus was the first person on earth ever since Adam to soar, and he said, this is what I invite you to do. This is how I invite you to live. I invite you to live supported on the thermals of God's reality and life. And we talked about those perched on the branches, the eagles perched on the branch, and realized that a lot of our lives are like that. We live lives with God, but we clutch our wills onto what we know, which is the firm territory of the tree, because we've only known that. And God starts saying, you know, you can know a lot more than this tree and this branch, because those are born-again eagles clutching on the tree. They gave their heart to Jesus. But as I said earlier, Jesus did not ask us to give our lives to him so that we could just know that he has 
uh, forgiven us for the wrongdoing that we do. The, the, the cross is the beginning of the kingdom. It's not the end. Heaven begins on earth. It doesn't begin when we die. So the eagle is born to soar. That's the Christians are recognized by how high they fly. If you're not airborne, don't expect anybody to believe that Jesus touched your life. You made, you created to be airborne. And the saddest thing we talked about last week was an eagle clutched on the branch with his wings outstretched, going, I'm airborne. And everybody around says, you're not, you're an idiot. Anybody can see you're not airborne, you're clutching onto the branch. But I'm a Christian. Yeah, but look at you, you're too chicken to jump. You, you, you have the audacity to tell me that you love Jesus and you, and you trust Jesus, but you're too chicken to jump. You're just like me, says the other eagles. You're just talking a talk, but you don't fly. And you're born to fly. And what we talked about also was if we want to fly, we have to go through the process of letting go. If we want to fly, we have to say to our wills, take a risk, take a chance, jump. Some of us are so passive, we're saying, I will let go when God gives me that feeling. And we're sitting on a branch that we've sat on for 30, 40, 20 years. And we're experts at commenting on flying. And we're experts on the process because we've watched some other people. And so we've lived vicariously through them. But when it really comes to the crunch, we don't have a testimony of flying. And so we wonder why our lives aren't making an impact or why people aren't thirsty for God when they're with us. Because we ourselves have chosen to remain bound as slaves. We're sanctified slaves. And then we don't really enjoy it ourselves. We're kind of on this frustrated level where, you know, we go to church and we sort of do the Christian thing, but it's really not as exciting as doing other things like playing golf or whatever. It's, it's more exciting doing the other stuff we do, but we do this other thing called religion so that we can kind of make, just keep our... You know what I'm talking about, right? Am I the only one who's gone through that? I am? Okay, well, I will testify to that then. And we are born to... F so how do you begin to believe there's more to life than clutching on the branch like an eagle with lots of potential? Somebody has to tell you you can soar. You need to have a vision of what can be. That's what Jesus came to do. Do you want to go to the next slide? This is, I just came across this. I was looking for an example of this is a baby eagle being learn, uh, learning to fly. And what happens is from the bottom left there, it's sort of going up and down that log apparently and, you know, not going off. And you know it's a baby eagle because the one on the right is crying. Mom, I'm scared. The bottom right. The, the parent eagle in the top left is, 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 is always there. And what's happening is that eagle begins to spread its wings and there's a wind blowing up and it just lifts it up. 
and it begins to experience flight. And as soon as it's got a little bit of familiarity with that, there's no stopping it. And that principle is the same for you and me in our walk with Jesus. It's real simple. If you want to know what God's doing in your life, just listen to the things that are going on inside you. Because God's speaking. Where you're afraid, he's speaking to you about that. Where you respond or react, he's speaking to you. He's just saying, don't be afraid. Let's look at this or let's let go of that. And we're talking, therefore, about what is the kingdom and how do we live in the kingdom, which is the kingdom is defined as God's rule on earth, God reclaiming what is his. Given you a picture, if somebody came and squatted in your house while you were away and you came back and said, what are you doing here? And said, well, I found this house, I'm living in it. It's mine. He says, no, it's mine, you say. And the same is what is what's happened in the world. We are living in a world that has been hijacked or possessed by evil and, and darkness and rebellion. And we know that because everything intuitive in us veers towards selfishness, veers towards I. And everything in the kingdom veers towards I worship you and how do I serve you. But it's not actually in the end about service. And that's what I want to talk about. Jesus said in Matthew 16, uh, we, we're talking about the keys of the kingdom. And the keys are given to get into things. Matthew 16, we read last week, when Jesus, that famous pr- encounter where he says to his disciples, so who do you say that I am? You go through the, the Gospels, you go through the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and you find Jesus isn't that polite. He actually, he just says publicly, who, so who do you say that I am? What do other people think? And then what about you? He nails them all the time. He's getting the disciples. What about you? Because when we answer, even if we're wrong, we find a way to come to the right answer through Jesus, where he gives us, he begins to give us confidence. So you have to speak these things out. And so, so uh, they rattle off what everybody else says, and then he, and he says, well, what about you? And Simon Peter, because Simon Peter is the only one who thinks after he's spoken, but he, he speaks with power. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my, but my father in heaven. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The rock being the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What he's saying is when you actually exercise the authority that I give you, you will loose things and release things on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, in heaven there is no disease. So when you have the authority to proclaim the kingdom, where God is, he uh, overcomes the sickness. Now we intuitively uh, do not believe that. I was visiting, I was saying this at a, another meeting a while ago, I was visiting Brock Clayards in hospital because he was in hospital with an infection. He had um, food poisoning and then that triggered a few other things and I visited him a few weeks ago and he was in his room and he said, they've been cleaning this hospital, there's signs all over the hospital that there's a superbug. And so you've got to be really, really careful. And they didn't want to move Brock because of the superbug possibility and the infection possibility. He said, they come in every, every you know, every 12 hours and clean out the place to try and uh, overcome the superbug. 
So you have, imagine this whole hospital is doing all of this, and you say, so show me the superbug. Nobody shows you something crawling around. It's not visible. It's like germ warfare. It's not visible, but it kills. The same is true. I mean, Jesus is the ultimate superbug. You can't see him, but when he is present, he overcomes that which would come in conflict with him. And what we're invited to is to really get hold of it. So we stop being religious and start being excited about the reality of God's presence and power. And the first place the superbug wants to infect is me. If darkness and superbugs of germs can infect people to kill them, why is it so difficult for God's superbug of healing to heal them? And the fact that you can't see it is irrelevant. There's lots of things we can't see. You can't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You can't see all kinds of stuff. And so Jesus said, I have come in this world and I have overcome this world and I'm sending you out to overcome the world as well. And whatever you bind or loose will be done. I give you the keys. And remember we said, I don't lend you the keys. I give you them. What happens if you get to heaven one day and God says, so what did you do with the keys? Oh, I didn't know I had any. I mean, you're going to kick yourself if you can do that in heaven. He's going to say, let me show you what I called you to. And you'll just break down and weep. And you'll go, what a wasted life. Because all the stuff I worked for is actually down there. Look, my kids are in my house. They've spent all my money. Nobody even remembers me, even though I was CEO or whatever. And you go, well, that all stayed there, so what a waste. How do, ch- how do children enter the kingdom with confidence and authority? In Matthew 6, Jesus is pretty rough. He says, uh, you're my disciples, right? Look at that. I d- don't be like that. And he points to the religious people around him. And he says they're hypocrites. I mean, he wasn't diplomatic. He says they're hypocrites. Why? Because their, their belief is based in their activities. Their attendance at church or the length of their prayers. He says they babble. Because all they do is self-interest in the name of God. So he said, don't don't be like that. Your father knows what you need before you ask. You listen to prayers in church or in your own life. And listen to how you talk to God. God. And how much is give me, give me, give me, give me, heal, 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 please, please, please. And I said before, what happens if he knows all that? So you just have to say, Lord, how do you want to respond to these things that are going on in my life? To do that, you need a relationship. 
Babbling prayers is what the religious do because they don't know who they're talking to. They have a vested interest in tradition and ritual and doing the same thing every week because they don't know who they're talking to. And the verdict is out in North America that that's not a very good way to excite anybody about the love of God. I'd rather go to a ball game or Canucks game. And I, I have said this for 20 years. If the church is not more exciting than a hockey game, we haven't seen God. And if your passions are aroused with the he shoots, he scores, or whatever your particular fancy is, and you come into church and you cannot do that, and you do that at a sports game, then you need to deal with your relationship with God. And stop rationalizing about, oh, I don't do that, or I'm shy, or I don't worship. You do worship, all of us do. Whatever excites you is what you worship. And God watches our lives and he just says, so where do I fit in? The key of the kingdom is a real simple one. There's a big key and it's really, really simple. We'll come to it now. Jesus says to them, um, you know, okay, you don't want us to quite understand to be the disciples go, well, you don't want us to pray like this because now we're all embarrassed and every time I open my mouth, you'll say I'm babbling. So now what? And Jesus says, well, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive. Right? You know that you know prayer. Now he says to them, don't babble. This is how you should pray. What's the church done? That you and I have grown up in and, and I've counseled lots and lots of people in the church. Particularly the Catholic and Anglican church. The church took the keys and said, Peter is the king and we have the keys of the kingdom and our structure has the keys of the kingdom and you submit to our structure and that is the kingdom of God on earth. It's a heresy. I'm not speaking anti-Catholic. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying it's a heresy. It's not the kingdom of God. And they took the Lord's Prayer. I went to a private school for 12 years. Let us pray. Call our Father, thank you so much for this and that. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the day our daily bread. That's prayer or babbling? So, if you're not excited by Jesus and that's your experience, then I repent before you on behalf of the church because you've been failed. Jesus, the hinge of the kingdom of God and the hinge of the Lord's Prayer are very simply two words. Our Father. So unless you enter the kingdom as a child, not childishly, as a child, 
And then he says, when you pray, start our Father. That's the way you enter into the kingdom. Now why is that? Because it's what Jesus came to reveal. Jesus went to the cross to remove the barrier of sin and rebellion so that we could have entranceway through him the door into the kingdom and into the presence of God the Father. Because we are created to be children of a father. We're not created to be orphans. So how's the relationship? The Jewish people believed God was the father. They were, their father was Abraham because they descended from Abraham. And they believed that the, the, the human race was, was from Adam. He was the father of the human race. And so for them, God Yahweh was the creator, the great unknown, and the father Abraham and their descendants and their ancestors was what they focused on. God you didn't get intimate with. And when Jesus came, he scandalized them because he said, uh, God the Father and myself are one. As he scandalized us today. There are many people who prefer, they think, to have religion. I organize my life, I go to church on Sunday and I do this. And that's what I do. As long as you know it's heresy, as long as you know it's not Christianity, as long as you know you've taken the truths of Jesus and you've appropriated them into your lifestyle and distilled them down into something that is no longer Christianity. You have made God in your own image and you've actually even transported Jesus so that he reflects your own values. And I'll tell you how you know If you're not soaring and your feet aren't off the ground, you ain't in the kingdom. And you can protest as much as you like and you can say it's unkind, but Paul said very clearly, he said, you're full of talk, but I want to come and see if you have power. Because the, Jesus says, by, by you know, my, light and salt you can see and taste. Can you tell the difference between an eagle that's perched and an eagle that's flying? It's an invitation to life. That's what I'm doing. This is an invitation to life. It's not an invitation to depress us. It is an invitation to say, well, if you've only soared two feet, soar 20. You can go higher and higher and higher. But if your faith is lukewarm and your faith is kind of dreary, this is the key. The key is beginning to ask for more and expect more and see something bigger than surviving as a slave in this world trying to be Christian about it. I mean, that is awful. Trying to love and trying to forgive and trying not to swear and trying to do this, it's awful. What's the key? The key to the kingdom is the same key to your heart. The key to the kingdom is a love relationship between a father and a child. A little child that 
crawled up here and the Cheryl picked up and then the father came to pick it up. That's the kingdom. The father's always reclaiming his children. And always saying, come, come, come. No, don't crawl that way. Come this way. That's the kingdom. Jesus went to the cross because he offended the religious people on this issue. He offended them on two issues. The one was he did miracles. He did signs and wonders. He did extraordinary things in the name of God. And he did it on the Sabbath as well, which was religiously wrong, but spiritually correct. He offended people by the miracles he did. And he offended the religious leaders because he said, God's my father. And they stood on the branches and they were angry and they couldn't fly. All they could do was flap their wings. And there's nothing more pathetic than a religious person flapping their wings. They don't get off the ground because their talons get tighter and tighter on the branch and they protest more and more. And they hate it when you saw along, gliding by. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, they're so emotional. Can't stand that. Be like a child. That child there is learning to fly. Nobody told it it can't. And because Jesus bore witness to the Father, he was crucified. The story of a young boy in the Roman Empire, his father was the emperor, and they were welcoming him back into the city. And there was, he was standing you know, on a... Some, the boy and his mother were standing there and his father came riding in with all the crowds and cheering and, and the soldiers around. And the boy suddenly got up and ran down to meet his father. And a soldier, one of the, uh, whatever they were in the Roman army, stopped him and said, You can't go there, son. That's the emperor. To which the boy replied, um, To you he might be the emperor, but to me he's my father. And because he was the son of the emperor, he had access that nobody else did. And that is the difference. And that is what you and I are invited into. You have access to God the Father because of what Jesus did. And that's what Paul was saying. You are an heir. You're a child of the king. Why don't you learn to run around the kingdom? When I worked in Swaziland many years ago, uh, there was a, the oldest living king at that time was a guy called Lamini, uh, uh, King Sabuza. And there were, the family name was Lamini, and there were a lot of princes and there were a lot of relatives. But if you came into, you know, if you, if you ever uh, came into contact with somebody who said they're Prince Lamini, you had to give them deference. The children of the king had clout. One guy came to me, my name is Prince Lamini, and he had some greyhounds that were sick and I had to walk, follow him for half an hour into the mountains to pretend I knew what to do with it. The children of the king have clout, and so do you and I, if we say, Jesus, I am yours and you are mine. Remember the prodigal son? He comes home. And he has a banquet for him, the father, 
It's God loving those who've got lost and coming home. The older brother, he's been around, he's been in church all his life, and he's miserable. Why do you give him? I mean, look how he's lived. Look what he's done. And you're getting so excited about him. And the father, what does he say? He says, oh, come on. My son, my son, this boy, your brother, not just my son, was dead and now he's alive. We have to celebrate. How come your hearts got so hard when you've lived with me all this time? And eventually he says, you know, all I have is yours. All I have is yours. I come to the banquet. And that's what walking with Jesus is meant to be. It's meant to be us being aware of the extraordinary provision of God for us and an ongoing banquet, an affirmation of his presence and his power and his love. Let me finish with uh, a reminder that Jesus said to us um, in, verse, in chapter 15, and he said, you know, I've, I've called you to bear much fruit. But I want to remind you of what he calls us to as well in the end of Matthew. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. I was listening to a talk recently, and somebody was describing the people who followed Jesus. And one person, and, and you had the people who, who wouldn't cross the road if Jesus were present. Just no relevance whatsoever. You had the other people who would travel five miles to go to Jesus so that he could, they could criticize or stone him. His harshest critics. Then you have the crowd of people who had heard something about him and followed him because they were, they were curious and they were hungry and they followed uh, as a mass. And then you had the disciples. The disciples who hung around and stayed with him, they never went home. And they said, as Peter said to him, where should we go? You are the one who gives us life. And Jesus says, go and make disciples of the whole world. We are called to be disciples. Those are people who are captivated by the love and the power and the presence of Jesus. But you can't be captivated by the love and the power and presence of Jesus if you're holding onto a branch that says, I'm never changing, I'm not going anywhere, I'm letting go of nothing. I'm just going to think, I'm going to think about it. There's some very thoughtful eagles. I mean, they've, they've got PhDs. Very thoughtful, clever eagles who strut up and down their log, pontificating. In their heart of hearts, they're terrified of flying. There's not a heck of a lot of difference between an eagle that never leaves its perch and one that's stuffed. Is there? What are you? What's God calling this church to? Bunch of stuffed eagles that meet every week, pretend to soar but never do anything really? Or is he calling us to be people who venture out and take risks, which we've already done actually? But it's really easy, like we all know, to go for a quick flight and then go, well, I've got that over. 
Could I have done that? Yes, I did. I, I do. I do remember flying. I flew in 1945. Uh, Jesus touched my heart and I flew. So every time you give a testimony, well, in 1945, Jesus touched my heart and he goes, You asked flew 40 years ago? How depressing. You're built to fly today and to say to others, Come fly with me. And they say, how do you do it? Don't you get tired? And he says, well, you start off. You do what you can with what you know. And you flap. And then you catch a thermal. And then it suddenly you, it's easy. You just kind of rest. And it leads you. And that's what God does. You start with what you know. And you start with what you can do. And God will begin to lift you up. That's what, how it works. It's called faith. But the hinge to the kingdom, the key to the kingdom, is a love relationship with the Father. We all know, all of us who have children, know what that means. For the children that we struggle with, we ache for them because they're not fulfilling life in a way that we would love them to fulfill life. For children that are... are, are, are squandering their inheritance, as it were, we ache for them. And if we who are evil ache for our children, how much more does God? And for our children where we have good relationships, we rejoice. We love it when they call. We love it. We, we make jokes about, what do you want? I do anyway. What do you want? You only call me when you want something. Well, how much is that with us and God the Father? What is your relationship like with God the Father? The God the Father who absolutely adores you. And he loves you like you've never been loved. And you don't want to get to heaven and go, you were loved like this and all you tasted was that? No wonder you were so miserable. I long to give you all that I have is yours. But you wouldn't let go of the branch. You were too proud. You go, I've been sitting here for 20 years like this. What do people think of us? I'm flapping my wings. I go, huh. That means I've got to admit I was wrong. Can't do that. Is pride getting in the way? What's getting in the way of soaring higher? Because God's speaking to every single one of us this morning and saying, you can go higher. We're not going to be done until you're in a box and you're on the other side. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you just show us right now uh, where we are with you. Reveal to us our attitude. Reveal to us our condition, how you see us. Thank you that you're not going to do that with um, condemnation. You're going to do that with extraordinary love. But you will show us, God will show you, and his, his Spirit is showing you right now where you are. Or you perched on a branch and you've been there for a long time, or you're pretty dreary and dry. What does it mean when I say God the Father loves you and he adores you? Is that a word that bounces off you, or is it something that resonates in your heart? His invitation to you this morning is saying, I want you to experience my love. So in the area of love, in the area of the condition of your heart, will you let go 
of whatever it is you are in and just say, Lord, I open my wings, I open myself to you. Please teach me how to be loved by you. Thank you that you, you've taken the initiative. So like the big parent eagle, he swoops down next to you and he says, spread your wings. Receive my spirit and let me love you. Let me heal you. I can see your, your wing is actually wounded. You've got a broken wing. Let me heal you. I can heal that hurt in you. I can heal that woundedness. I can heal, I can heal those wings that are scared to spread because you were hurt last time you risked. But trust me, I love you and I see your pain and I can take it. The keys to the kingdom of being like a child and opening a heart to a father who is trustworthy. What would it be like for you to experience Jesus smiling upon you and loving you and not bringing up one sin in your life and just saying, I'm so pleased to see you. There's a banquet for you. That's how I live. I live in a banquet. And I want you to share in that. And I want you to live out of that place of acceptance. Out of that place of we've got adventures to do. We've got adventures to go to. We've got things to share that are extraordinary. And you keep talking to me about your relatives and people that you want to come to know me. And he says, they need to see you fly. And when they see you fly, maybe they will hear me through you in a way they've never heard before. Stop talking and squawking and fly. Let them see you taking the risks and being extraordinary and I will make them thirsty for what you have. It's very cool. We're invited into a thrilling adventure. And if you want that adventure at a deeper level, then just bring to God now, just give Him permission. And just say, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to lead me into that kind of relationship with you where I know that you are real and that your love is real and I'm flying and I would be more passionate about that than anything. And he will say, yes, I'd love to do that. Receive his love, receive his grace, receive his kindness, receive his hope for your life. Receive his pleasure in you. I'll say to you that some of you, it's really easy to disengage. Every time we get to this kind of place of encounter, you disengage. And so you stay stuck on the perch for year after year. Don't disengage. God is speaking to you. He loves you enough to disturb you. He loves you enough to say, you think that if you take this risk, I'm going to spoil your life. You ain't seen life. There's so much more. I know the cries of your heart. I know the things you long for. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I give good gifts to you if you ask? So receive the love of the Father, the presence of the Father, the keys of the kingdom, which is a loving relationship. Now what do you do? One more thing before we break bread together is you have to say to him, Lord, where do you want me to flap my wings? It's easy to pray these prayers and then just go out and do nothing. So you ask the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to be active? What do you want me to be doing that will make a difference? 
So ask him to show you where he wants you to do something that will make a difference. And Father, we just pray for that, that you, you will show us what you're calling us to that will actually make a difference in our lives. Where do you want us to flap our wings? Amen. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to share in communion together. And this song is the offertory song as well.